0: 378. Welcome to Bible Baptist Church. Excited to see everybody this week. Welcome, all you mothers. Happy Mother's Day to you all. Welcome. What channel? 378. Hymn number
1: 378.
0: We'll sing as loud as we can.
1: when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea
0: Amen. Amen, thank you. Please stay standing if you will and turn your hymn books to four. Um <coughs> oh, okay, so did. Four fifty-six. Please and thank you. Four fifty-six counts your blessings. Amen. You're feeling down, this is a good song to sing.
1: You are tempted to when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings name them one by one count your many blessings see what god hath done are you ever burdened with a load of care does the crossing heavy you are called to bear count your many blessings every doubt will fly and you will be singing as the days go by Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God hath done When you look at others with their lands and gold Think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold Count your many blessings money cannot find Your reward in heaven, nor your home on high Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God has done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God has done so, the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done.
0: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Count your blessings, everyone. Alright, we'll have Pastor come do announcements. Alright.
2: Alright, just a few things. Uh I ask that you continue praying about our building project. Um, Just for wisdom and for things to all come together, um, I spoke with uh, a couple of guys this week, um, Larry, Sally's husband, and also um, John Dowdy, who is the man who's got the gravel pit, donating the gravel. I ran into him down at the Amish store looking for something, and um, both of them, having not communicated with one another, made the same suggestion something to pray about. They said, even if we don't get to a point where this year we could build and get the slab in and build, they said, even if we got the some of the prep work, the earth work done this fall, so it has the snow and rain and everything to help compact it, then next spring we're ready to roll with the slab. And uh, I thought that was tremendous advice. It also would make it so something visible is done this year. So, I'd ask you, you know, one, it's all in God's hand. So if he wants us to get to that point and have us ready to do that, he'll do it. So that's one, just know that. Two, I'd ask that we be praying about that because I think even if we can't get the frame up this year, it would just, it'd be nice to have something we can see done and be able to go out there and walk on the, where the slab is going to be and be able to see and then, It'll help us visualize even more and see it and kind of be able to get an idea of what it's going to be like and and all that stuff. So I I find that exciting even if we can't have the slab down to just have that much done, and maybe we could get the uh, maybe we could get the septic system in and approved by the town as well so that next spring, that's all done. The first thing we'll have to do is uh, get the piping in for the radiant heat and. Throw the slab down. Like, that's where we'll start next year. That, that'd that be a lot of stuff we wouldn't have to wait on. And, uh, you know, being at that point, something Larry also said was that it puts us in a position where when we're trying to get plumbers out here, we, we'll be higher up on the list because we're ready for them. Like, it's just come on in, we're ready for you. It's not, well, I'm going to have to schedule you amidst all these people that still got to get their earthwork done and all that. We'll be ready, we could have them booked and lined up, and so anyways, does sound like that would really put us in a good spot, so pray about that with me, just that God will work that all out, help all the pieces to come together, because there's still, you know, several things we'd have to get lined up, but just be praying, and and I'm going to do some research and see, you know, maybe we can, even though we don't have permits, maybe we can start getting some materials down here, um, some gravel and things like that just so that when we're ready, we can roll, you know, we can, uh, we can start getting that stuff down. So lots of things to pray about and to be thinking on. Um, tomorrow, the septic guy is meeting me here to look at that again and shrink that down and start looking to see if we can, you know, what kind of system we can do. Um, so pray also on that. So some things happening, some things progressing, just keep, uh, keep those things in your prayers. Um, so that's building project. Also, Saturday morning, 9:30 a.m. Outreach, ladies' meeting, June 12th, um, so that's at 6 p.m. And then uh, men's prayer breakfast, the 27th, so that's next Saturday at 7:30 a.m. So several things coming up. And then before I um, close out the announcements, we do want to recognize the moms that are represented here. So I know we have several. So, uh, if we could have moms, if you're able to stand, I know some of backs are hurting. Uh, so, um, so, moms obviously play a huge role <laughs> in our lives and in our kids' lives. And, uh, you know, we all had a mom that invested in us and poured their love and their nurture and their care into our lives and help to make us what we are today. Mm -hmm. And if you have kids, and obviously you guys all are moms, so you have kids, you do the very same thing that you learned from your moms, pouring your love and your care and your nurture into your children, you have or you are. And we just want to thank you for all that you do and for the investment that you've made in us who are, who have moms, and you who are mothers, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for uh, just being great examples and representatives of godly moms and pouring your life into your kids. And, and honestly, you, know, you pour your lives into your church family too. And we thank you for that and for that investment. We do have some gifts for you on the back. I think there's enough there. So there's a, a baggie. Just You can grab one. Don't leave without it. Uh, take one with you, and it's just a small way we can say thank you for being such great moms and pouring your lives into your family. So Amen. we thank you, thank you, for all you uh, thank you, mom. You can be seated. We appreciate that. And uh, everyone smiling, we'll fix that. Ushers, come on down. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. And Caleb, could you pray for the offering, bud?
0: God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Uh, Please bless the offering, Lord. Please bless the pastor uh, with the message you prepared for us, Lord. Please bless our hearts with it, Lord. And uh, please help us have a safe trip home, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, everybody, if you can, please stand with me one last time and turn your hymn books to 420, Day by Day, for number 420. I don't know what's
1: Day, and with each passing
0: moment,
1: strength I find to mourn trials here. Trusting in my father's wise, this man, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives true to each day what I deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling joy with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me, with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares, he fangles and cheer me, he whose name is Counselor and Power. Protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to one he made. when in every tribulation, so to trust thy promises, O Lord. That I lose not faith, sweet consolation Offering me with this holy word Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting Ere to take as from a father's head One by one the days, the moments fleeting Till I reach the
0: promised land Amen, you may be seated. Thank you so much for your singing. All right, we'll have Pastor come up.
2: Well, yeah. we got a special this morning. Uh, excited about this.
0: This isn't intimidating or anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so today we're going to yeah <laughs> we're going to do how deep the father's love for us. Well, we're going to attempt to. We are kitchen singers. We're not public. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, hold on a minute. How deep the Father's love for us How
1: vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son
2: I do it a lot and I still get nervous as all get out when I got to get up sometimes.
1: <laughs>
2: Praise the Lord. Good job. I also really appreciate the spirit. You know, I know it's really tough to get up and do that, but uh, several weeks ago Morgan said, you know, she said I'm learning to play the the ukulele and I would just like to Use it for the Lord and be able to serve at church and use that to be a blessing, and it certainly is. So, thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Jack. And Dylan's already gone, but thank you, Dylan. (laughs) Uh, Appreciate that. That is a tremendous blessing. So, all right. Um, Yeah, hasn't been playing very long either, so it's pretty incredible. All right, we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number one this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number one. 1 Samuel chapter one. Sorry, I don't have the screen going today. I didn't get around to it, so forgive me. I don't have as many cross-references as usual. Uh, I just, I felt God lead in another direction and uh, didn't get this one put together with the slide. So, sorry about that, everyone. I will get back on the slides next week. <laughs> First Samuel chapter number 1. All right, and when you have your place, let's, those that can, let's go ahead and stand together. And we'll read our passage here. We're going to begin in verse number 9. So if you find verse number 9, we'll read down here several verses. It says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Uh, Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the uh, the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, uh, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the women went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad." Let's go ahead and pray our heavenly father we thank you for today thank you for your word thank you for what we will see and hear and prayerfully be helped by in your word i pray today that you would bless and work in our midst that you'll accomplish your will and father i pray that you will see to it that what you want said is said and what you don't want said is not said and lord we'll praise you and thank you for what you accomplish we ask these things and pray them in jesus name amen you may be seated Now, just quickly, when I read this, I thought, well, I should make a point to touch on this so that I don't give any wrong impression. So, uh, you know when it said when she made the promise to God that no razor should come upon his head at the end of verse 11? So there was a specific vow that Jews could take. It was called the Nazarite vow. And with that vow, uh, part of it was that they wouldn't cut their hair. Uh, the guys wouldn't cut their hair. Now, in that was a Jewish thing, so I'm only pointing that out to say we're not promoting men having long hair, okay? just uh, I thought it might be a good idea to just point that out actually over in Elijah's at 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians, where it says even nature teaches that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. So, uh, you know, the Bible does actually say in the New Testament Uh, to a church, the church at Corinth, that guys shouldn't have long hair. And then the argument is made, well, what is technically long hair? Well, that's between you and God. I'm not going to tell you, you know, I know Bible colleges that you've got to have it trimmed behind the ears and it's got to be just so. You're also not supposed to have beards in most of those places. We're not like that. I'm just simply saying we're not promoting men having ponytails or anything like that. Yeah, which I don't so believe. I it's that's the Catholic, uh, right? Yeah, I don't believe he actually had long hair. I guess now I've opened a can of worms. Uh, I don't believe Jesus had long hair. He was not a Nazarite, although some people say, "Well, Jesus was a Nazarite." Well, no, he wasn't. He was from Nazareth, but Nazareth wasn't all Nazarites, you know. So that's. I think some people have made that, drawn that, and said, "Well, Jesus was from Nazareth. He must have been a Nazarite. Therefore, he must have had long hair." I don't believe Jesus had long hair. Now, that being said, they didn't have buzzers, you know, like they do now back in Bible times. So how long was his hair? I don't know. I think it probably had a little length to it, but I don't think it was, you know, ponytail hairdo like we often see in the pictures and the movies. So that's, that's where my take is. I don't think Jesus would have had long hair and then in 1 Corinthians he would have inspired even nature teacheth it that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Uh, I think that's, you know, that would be contradictory uh, for that to be the case, but, you know, everyone's entitled to have their own interpretation, but that's what I believe, is that he did have cut hair, uh, Bible times cut hair, not, you know, Erica just took the buzzers and shaved my head bald, you know, not that kind of short, short hair, not Brother Elliot's, <laughs> you know, after a fresh shave, but I do believe it was, it was, cut. You know, I don't believe it was shoulder length or, you know, halfway down his back or anything like that. We also portray him many times as having blonde hair and blue eyes. That's not what Jesus looked like. He was a Jew. He wasn't a he wasn't a German or, you know, or an American. Uh, we've seen pictures and in some of the old movies he had light colored hair and he had blue eyes and that, you know, that's sometimes been What he's been depicted to look like Uh, you know maybe adolf hitler wanted to picture that i don't know but you know that's not what jesus actually looked like Uh, he had dark hair he had brown eyes he was he was jewish Um, so you know there's a lot of traditions that we have that have been put out there that there's a lot of good traditions there's a lot of right and accurate traditions but there's a lot of traditions that aren't true and aren't biblical so I'm not saying throw all traditions out, you know, the Bible does talk about, uh, the Apostle Paul said, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, mind you, uh, to teach those to follow or mark those that don't walk after the traditions that we've taught or that we've walked after, I'm, I'm misquoting, I'm paraphrasing, so there are good traditions, but there's a lot of traditions we practice that are not actually good traditions. Um, and just, you know, it's worth examining them and considering, are these biblical, you know? Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday while I was mowing. Uh, you know what? Scrap that. We got to get going here. I don't want to spend half of, the, half of the service going over all these different things. But, uh, but I wanted to point that out just because I thought it was a good, a good thing to mention. Um, so, all right. So back to Hannah in First Samuel and her, uh, her prayer to the Lord. Now we're going to see down in verses 24 through 28, it goes on and says, "And when she had weaned him, so she had a son, she excuse me, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one epha of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock, and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So, we see the fulfillment both of God providing the son, but also of Hannah fulfilling her commitment to the Lord, that if God gave her a son, she would give him back to the Lord once he was weaned. So it's definitely one of my favorite passages, specifically dealing with a mom in the Bible. What a tremendous blessing to see the testimony of Hannah. And she just has a tremendous heart. Uh, tremendous heart for her son, tremendous heart for the Lord. And, you know, it's a good reminder when there's something that we are, in a sense, desperate over. She was desperate for a son. You know, to the Jew, uh, having a son was everything because that's what carried on your family. That's what, uh, if she couldn't have a son, then it was like, almost like she was considered an inferior woman because she couldn't have a child. Because having a child, that's who received the inheritance uh, from the father of everything that he had. That's who carried on the name. That's who, who would have the, the land after, after he was gone. Like, it just moved everything forward. Without a son, things went on hold. So, that was a huge thing to them. Um, so, she didn't hold back anything. She poured her heart out to God, and eventually she gave her son back to God, gave, uh, gave him to the Lord. So, first thing, we already read verses 9 through 18. Hannah wanted a son quite badly, to say uh, to say the least. You know, Eli, the priest, spotted her praying, and even though he couldn't hear anything that she was saying, he thought she was drunk. You know, he thought that she had been into the, uh, you know, the wine or the strong drink. Uh, so he he got after her for it, and she corrected him and said, I'm not I haven't been drinking. I'm not drunk. She said, I, have, uh, I am just praying. My heart is broken. I am pouring my heart out to God, uh, which she did. I love that Hannah was praying for her child both before she was even pregnant, let alone before he was ever born. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Young people, you start praying now for a future spouse, whoever God would have for you. My good friend, A.J. Harold, his family's back there, top left. He's a church planter in uh, Los Angeles, California, and he's got a couple kids, 12 to be exact, and uh, when he was here years ago, stayed at our house with eight kids and a pregnant wife. You know, when you have 12 kids, you're pregnant pretty much all the time. Uh, I'm just kidding, (laughs) I probably shouldn't say something like that, but she was, they were here in Maine, I think, twice, and both times they were here, she was pregnant, you know, so uh, they came, spent almost two weeks at our house with us, with the eight kids, like, there were kids sleeping everywhere, because we had our three, and their eight, and then four adults, you know, it was, it was quite fun, and I remember him telling me one of those times, he said, it was quite fun, it was quite crazy, too, but he was telling me that he was praying for his kids' spouses. He would each day he would pray for each one of their spouses, and I thought, wow, that's something. Like you know, for me at the time, I had thought, well, when they get older, I'll start thinking about that. But he was praying. He said before they're even born, he starts praying that God will be preparing a specific person for them, one that will love the Lord, one that will love his daughter or his son, and and reverence the husband and love the the. Uh, uh, loved the uh, come on the wife, and he started praying for them well in advance. And he said he was praying for them until God provided them, and they were married. And then his prayers would just be different for them. But that really challenged me, and I, and I think I've shared this before. But that really convicted me, and I thought, man, I need to be praying more specifically for my kids about their futures and about what God has for them, and that God would prepare someone for them if it's His will that they should get married and and all those things. And kids, you could be praying for those things too. You could be praying about God providing a future spouse and them being a godly spouse that loves the Lord and wants to live for the Lord. And that's going to help you to raise your children for the Lord and do all the things that prayerfully your parents are trying to do for you in your life. And that God would just provide all those things. And he will. He may anyways. He probably will anyways. But I think there's wisdom in praying for it well in advance. And I, I love that about Hannah. I think we get a great example of that here. Her heart and her prayer to the Lord for her son before he, was ever, before he was ever even conceived. She passionately prayed specifically for a son. Was it selfish? Well, some might consider it to be a selfish prayer, but God answered it. And according to John 14, 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So I think the Lord wanted to provide her this son. You know, we know God is omniscient. He had a plan all along. He knew she was going to pray this prayer. He knew he was going to provide a son. And he already had the plan for that son. It just all worked out according to God's plan. James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. What is our heart in our prayers? Specifically for our kids. You know, I know... One of the hardest things sometimes to think about is, well, what if God calls my child to be a missionary in Africa, or in Australia, or in South America, or China, or one of these foreign countries that, one, it's far away, so that's hard. (coughs) Two, some of those places can be dangerous. How are we going to feel? How are we going to respond to that? And, and I'll be honest, sometimes I think, Lord, please don't call my kids to a foreign country to be a missionary. But then I check myself real quick and go, Lord, please help me to have the right heart and the right spirit that if you ever did call one of my kids to somewhere else, I could, I could handle that in a, in a godly way. Support them, be behind them, Trust the Lord to take care of them and, and have them where He wants them. And that's a tough thing to think about sometimes. That's a, can be almost a, I hate to say it, but almost a scary thing to think about that God would move them or take them somewhere like that. But I want my heart to be that, Lord, whatever your will is, I would rather, here's, here's where we have to be. We should rather our kids live for the Lord. In Africa, or China, or Russia, or Ukraine, or wherever it might be, then stay here and live for themselves. That's what we, that should be our heart. That whatever it is that God has for them, we just want them to serve Him. We want them to faithfully obey Him. We want them to live in His will, and that should be our heart's desire. And that was Hannah's heart's desire, because we've read it already, but when he was weaned, probably around three years old, she brought him back to the temple. She offered the sacrifice, and then she said to the priest, here you go, Eli. He's all the Lord's, so you've, you've got him now, and you just do what, what God would want you to do with him. That's, that's hard. We want our kids to be ours, ours. We want our kids to do what we want them to do. We want to train them and prepare them for the future that we want them to have. We want them to stay close to home, uh, you know, maybe even live in our home for the rest of their lives, you know, we, we want them, don't ever go, don't ever leave, just stay, <laughs> some of you have that, whether you want to or not, <laughs> you know, maybe you don't want that, but you're kind of stuck with it. You know, we want, we just want our kids, uh, we want the best for them, right? And even when they become adults, we still want to take care of them and still want to help them. And well, there comes a point where we have to trust our kids to God. And the sooner we do it, the younger we do it, the better off they're going to be and the better off we're going to be. I'm not saying kick them out and drop them off at the temple or the church or anything like that. I'm simply saying that our (laughs) No, (laughs) Uh, I'm just simply saying that we need to be training them and raising them with that heart and that spirit. Uh, You know, Hannah passionately prayed for the son that God would give her, promising she'd give him right back. And sometimes I think, I think parents think, well, when when they go out on their own, then I'm going to trust them to God. But what about from the time they're born until the time they're on their own? What do we do then? We still need to trust them to God. And if we do, then our heart should be that we want to raise them and train them, not necessarily for something specific, outside of the specific should be to seek what God's will is for their lives. And I can't know that. I can't know God's will for Elijah or God's will for Elizabeth or God's will for Caleb. I can know my will for them I can know what I would like them to do and I can push them and try to steer them in a specific direction. The only direction I should be working to steer them is towards God's will. What is God's will for your life? What is God, what what do you want to do with your life? Well, I don't know. Okay, are you praying specifically for God to reveal His will for your life to you? Well, sometimes. Okay, how about all the time? How about daily? you know, what is God's will for your life? That's what we try to encourage our kids with. Elizabeth, you know, we're not, we don't push her as much because she's a young lady and she's a little younger, but certainly Elijah and God's given that to him. Caleb, we push him. He's not quite, doesn't know yet, uh, but you know, he's, he's getting there. I think he'll figure, it. well, God will reveal it eventually in his time, but we need to teach our kids to have a heart to seek that. And as parents, how do we do that? Well, For starters, we modeled it, we demonstrated through us seeking God's will for our lives and praying for our kids, and ideally with our kids, that God would reveal His will to them. Hannah, we see her pour her heart out to God, and God, I'll give them to you. You can use them as you see fit. All right. Philippians chapter 4, if we don't lose your place in Samuel, but if you turn over to Philippians chapter number 4, we'll begin in verse number 6. Philippians 4 and verse number 6 begins, be careful for nothing. That means to be, I know we've talked about this a number of times, it means to be full of care for nothing. In other words, don't worry. That's hard to do. I was sitting on my couch earlier, well, Wednesday night after spending the afternoon with Pastor Wiley, and we're sitting on the couch and we're talking and I'm like, well, yeah, and this and this, and he goes are you a worrier? And I go, I guess I am. (laughs) I said, I think I got it from my dad. He was always a big worrier. You know, he was always stressed. And I know my little sister, Danielle's got that gene. And I said, I guess I am a little bit. And I said, I'm trying not to be. I'm working at it. You know, this building project, I know I shared a few weeks ago that God is revealing some deficiencies to me. And I think one of them is worrying, which ultimately worry is a consequence of a lack of faith. That's what it really is. So when I worry, God keeps poking me and saying, Hey, you're not trusting me. Hey, you're not trusting me. And I go, Oh, that's right. And I'm working at that. And he told me his wife used to be a worrier, but the last few years, God really helped her and she's, she stopped worrying. She just trusts, trusts God. And I said, Well, that's what I need to do. Just trust God. He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. That is communication with God and supplication. That is the request we make to God. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, I'm praying and I'm not getting the peace. Well, when we pray, it needs to not just be, God, do this, and then we keep worrying about it. It needs to be, God, will you take this? and give it to Him. You know, we sang, uh, count your many blessings. That's out of Peter. Well, Peter also says, cast your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. You know, when we pray, we need to bring those requests, those supplications to Him. And when we ask Him to help and to work in those things, we need to leave them with Him. We go, here God, could you help me with this? And then we take it right back with us and we keep carrying that weight, that burden, that care. But He says, to pray and to give it to him. It's his. Uh, me carrying it for myself does nothing. Me bringing it on myself does nothing. Hannah, well, she, she gave it to the Lord. And she didn't worry. When she dropped Samuel off to Eli, you know, she has more kids, and we, we see that a little bit later. And other than that, we don't really hear anything else about Hannah. That's, that's the whole, most of what we've seen already has already been, uh, is is about the extent. We get a little bit in chapter 2, and then Hannah's not mentioned again or talked about. Why is that? Well, she fulfilled the role that God had for her. She was the example that God wanted her to be to us. So what did she do? She prepared her son. We read him already, but we'll look again at verses 19 through 24. It says, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. Actually, we didn't read these ones. We stopped right before them. Where was I? Rose up early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah, knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. This was right after she prayed and got back to her house. Verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry, until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one effa of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. So, she didn't wait until Samuel, I keep wanting to mix up Samuel and Eli, but she didn't wait until Samuel was... 16, 18, or 21 years old to give him to the Lord. She prepared him for the Lord, and she gave him to the Lord physically when he was just a few years old. But in reality, she gave him to the Lord before he was ever even born. She was already committed, already determined, already from the time of birth, preparing her son to be the Lord's, to be fully his. She didn't raise him to a teenager. I know I kind of mentioned that a little while ago. She didn't raise him and say, all right, now he's got to sow his wild oats, and then he can go live for the Lord. That's kind of the mindset. I used to hear that when I was younger. I don't hear that so much now, but when I was younger, I can't, everybody. Well, they got to sow their wild oats. Well, they just got to sow their wild oats, and then they'll get it straight. Well, they got to sow their wild oats. No, they don't. Throw the oats in the trash and just, Live for the Lord. I mean, don't worry about this, the silly oats. I mean, that's just, a, it's just an excuse. That's what it is. It's a justification. And the kids don't need it, and we shouldn't raise them with that expectation. She didn't give him a choice to what he wanted to be. She didn't say, Samuel, what do you want to be when you grow up? She already determined he was the Lord's, and she was going to raise him and give him to the Lord. Uh, You know, I know I've said this before but as a kid in school when I was growing up I remember the teachers always saying well you what do you want to be when you grow up? You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to be. You can you know all these things and they they made it out like We all had to figure out what we were going to do with our lives And that's what they really pushed us towards is figuring out what we want to do with our lives and you know I, I went through four years of high school. I don't know how I made it, but I did Got through four years of high school, went away to college, spent one semester at the University of Maine at Orono, changed my major a few times, didn't know what I wanted to do, jumped over to Eastern Maine Tech for one semester, changed my major several times because I still didn't know what I I wanted to do. All the while trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, started working in retail at Best Buy, decided this is what I want to do with my life, left school and started working full-time in retail and working my way up and made it up into uh, Low-level management, and then we visited Churchill Baptist in Augusta. Mom and Dad had been asking us, "When are you guys going to come visit our church? When are you going to come visit our church?" They had just started. It was a new church plant, like this one was back in 2008. And they said, and I said, "Well, I got to work on Sundays. You know, I'm trying to become management and really trying to work my way up." And and thankfully, I had a sales manager who was a Christian. So he said, well, if he said, I'm, I'm real supportive. If people want to go to church on Sundays, I let them go. I would work it out in the schedule. Well, he was a Christian, and he didn't go to work on very many Sundays. So I took that as, well, I shouldn't either, because, you know, I, what kind of example am I? So anyways, we went to church some together on Sundays, his wife and Erica and I. And that was Uh, when we kind of started working that out. And then finally, it took us a couple years, but I said, well, we need to take a a weekend and go down and visit my parents' church in Augusta. We weren't there for 10 minutes. And Erica and I were like, we need to make some changes. We need to figure out how we can get down here and start attending this church. (laughs) Because we knew there was something different about it. There was a different spirit. There was a joy. It wasn't just... Going through the motions of walk in the doors, sit down, you know, listen to this, the songs and listen to the message and then walk out and come, in, come as you are, leave as you came. It wasn't that kind of a service. It was a come in and meet the Lord here and then leave and see how he's going to change you. Commit to how he's going to change you. God just really worked in that. So we started. I think it took us six or eight months. She got it worked out so she could do her, um, her student teaching down in the area. So she hadn't even graduated yet, and we moved down. And I got a job working for her dad and his computer company. And we started attending Churchill Baptist in Augusta. We commuted from Fairfield for a while, bought a house in Winslow, commuted from Winslow. And it was about six months after we started attending, maybe a little longer, eight, nine months, God called me to be a pastor, and finally, for the first time in my life, I wasn't thinking, what do I want to do with my life? I finally reached a point where it was, what does He want me to do with my life? And once I realized that, and I knew that, my whole outlook changed. It was like, ah. no longer do I need to build my life around what can I do to make money and have, a, have the lavish lifestyle the world tells you you got to have in order to be successful? Nope. It was, where can I serve him? How can I serve him? How can I be faithful? Where can I plug in at church? How can I be involved in the ministry here? And that was a huge change for me. And my heart is to Get my kids thinking that way when they're younger not what do you want to do what does he want you to do because our whole life should be around him the world says it should be around you that's the humanistic philosophy it's all about you we want it to be all about him Ephesians 5 17 says wherefore be ye not unwise understanding what the will of the Lord is God wants us to know his will but we've got to seek it. We've got to want to know it so that we can do it and not just try to do what we want to do. 1 Corinthians 4.19 says, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Verses 1 through 7 it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. That word wit means to know. We, we, do, uh, we do you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. want them to understand. It's like a full knowledge of. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Who's the there? The churches of Macedonia. And their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. They had joy, though they also had deep poverty, and yet it abounded under the riches of their liberality, their their liberty, their freedoms. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped. They had provided for Paul and his comrades, though they didn't have an abundance. Praying us, verse 4, with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So, he says, we didn't hope for this. We didn't ask for this. It wasn't at our request, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and the result was because of his will, they then gave themselves to us and to our service to help us and to provide for us how, they saw, how God saw fit. Not because we asked or wanted. We knew they were in poverty. They didn't have, and yet they prayed for them, and they did what they could to provide the needs. Verse 6, in so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. He's telling them, do the same thing that they did. Give yourself to the Lord. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Uh, You know, we ought to give ourselves to the Lord. And you know, for a lot of people, that's a scary thing because giving ourselves to the Lord might mean we don't get what we want. It might mean that we don't always have the things that we'd like to have, that we can't always do the things we want to do. Well, if I want to go do this, then I want to do it. Well, if I want to go buy this, I want to go buy it. I've worked hard, I've earned the money, I deserve this. That's the mindset that we often have. And you know what? The truth is, we give ourselves to the Lord, we may have all the things that we want. We will have all the things we need, but if we've truly given ourselves to the Lord, our mindset will change, and we might find that we don't want all the things we did because we are happy and content with just knowing that we're pleasing Him. And as moms, as dads, we need to try to train our kids to be that way. Well, how do we do that? Well, a good way to start is by leading through example. Being that example, uh, that's, that's tough sometimes. You know, the old, the old saying, do as I say, not as I do. That's where many people want to live. That's how, you know, <laughs> that's how I want to live sometimes. Well, I know what's right, and I want my kids to do what's right. But I want better for them than for myself, so do what I say even if you don't see me doing it. Well, it should be do as I say, just as I do. I'm modeling this for you because not only am I telling you to do it, I'm also showing you how to do it. I'm living it in front of you so that you can learn. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What a blessing that the Lord promises us. That if we train our kids, that he'll not depart from it. Lastly, chapter 20, no, verse 24 of our First Samuel 1. And we'll read down through the first two verses of chapter 2. It says, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, bullocks, I can't talk this morning, and one ephah of flour. And a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock, and brought the child to Eli. And he said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine eyes because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Pretty powerful statements. So she offered the burnt sacrifice. She offered the living sacrifice of her son to the Lord she continued to pray and worship the Lord, and most people uh, offer to give the Lord something if he answers their prayers, and then when he answers, they retract, (laughs) you know, Lord, I'll do this if you do this, and then the Lord does it, and we go, well, that's kind of a costly commitment. I guess I can't really do that, Lord, you know, and that's That's something that people will sometimes do. Well, Hannah didn't do that. She didn't go back on her promise to the Lord. She made a commitment, and she followed through. She recognized there was great responsibility in having this son. There was great responsibility in having a child and and raising him for the Lord. And she saw that the best way to do that was to just give him to the Lord. Uh, You know, that was a pretty tough thing. The son that she had prayed so earnestly for that she had had nursed for the first few years and then to go and drop them off at the temple and leave them to someone else to raise, that's a pretty hard thing to do. But she had promised and she meant it. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4 says, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Raising them up, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It can be Uh, It can be easy to, you know, provoke our kids to anger, to wrath, to respond in ways that we don't want them to. But what we should do is nurture them and admonish them in the Lord, for the Lord. She praised the Lord for the precious gift he had given her and recognized what a tremendous blessing it was. In Psalm 127, 3, look at this with me. Psalm 127, verse 3. Sometimes, you know, I start flipping to a passage. I just got to commit. I start turning, and then my mind starts going somewhere else, and I'm turning, I'm like, where am I? What am I doing again? It's like, you know, you got your keys in your hand, and you're thinking of something else, and then you go, where's my keys? They're not in my pocket. Where did they go? And they're in your hand the whole time? (laughs) Psalm 127, uh, verse number 3 says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, sometimes we can view kids as a burden because they take work, they're expensive, they take time, and they require sacrifice. We can't always, we don't always get to do what we want and have our own way because we got to make sure our kids' needs are met. So, you know, kids sometimes can be viewed as a burden but they shouldn't be. They are they are a blessing from God. They are not a burden. And we if we think of them sometimes as a burden, we got to shift our thinking. You know, we got to shift our mindset. They are a blessing. They're a gift from God. That's a pretty tremendous statement that God would say they are a gift from him. We need to remember that. And then she also recognized the Lord is the only one of his character, position, and protection. None like the Lord. And that's why she gave him to the Lord. So, the focus this morning is Mother's, Mother's Day. Uh, but a lot of the things we've talked about apply to both moms and dads. They can also apply to grandparents. And can I say this? If you have grown kids that aren't living for the Lord, don't give up on them. Don't, don't. Don't turn your back on them, or don't think that there's no hope for them. I'd encourage you, keep pointing them to the Lord as much as you can. Uh, I understand they may not be that excited to hear about it, but as much as you can, whether that be through example, through praying, when God opens the door, to even just say, I'll pray about that for you. Or, you know, this is what the Lord would want you to do, or this is what the Bible would say, or just... Any way we can, point them to the Lord, and then never stop praying for them. Never stop praying for them. If they're not saved, God can save them. I know I've told this story before. Uh, It was actually Pastor Wiley that when he was uh, growing up, this lady that would pray, I can't remember if he said now, 20 years or 30 years, but every Wednesday night during prayer meeting, her hand would go up. And it was to the point where a lot of the young folks would be like, here we go again. Pray for my sons that they'll get saved because every week it's the same prayer. So for 20 or 30 years her hand went up and they're like, oh, here we go again. But you know, at her funeral when the gospel was preached, both of her sons walked down the aisle and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. She didn't see it in this life. But what a blessing. She's in heaven and one day her boys will be with her as well. Because of her faithful, fervent prayer for those 20, 30 years. What a testimony of a mother's love and faithfulness that she never gave up. I'd encourage you, if you've got you know, grown children, never give up. Keep praying, keep loving them, and keep pouring your love and the love of Christ into them. God can get a hold of their hearts. But also we have to give them to Him and know that we can't make them be what we want them to be. We can't force them. They're in God's hands and we've just got to trust him to do the work that he needs to do to get through to them. Uh, That's tough to do because sometimes we want to, you know, I know of a family whose son's just, he's actually, he thinks he's living for the Lord, but he's just a mess. It's just a mess. I don't even understand. To me, it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm going, how does he think this stuff? You know, it's like, come on. But he thinks he's loving for the Lord, but doing stuff. And mom, here's the difference between moms and dads. Mom just wants to run up and give him a hug and love him and be like, why are you doing this? Dad wants to be like come on, wake up, stop acting like this, what is wrong with you? You know, it's like the difference between moms and dads. Dads want to be physical and knock sense into them, and moms just want to be like, just do what's right, I love you. You know, it's just, that's the difference, but God made us differently for a reason. Don't believe what the scientists and the news says, guys and girls are different, there is a difference, Uh, you know, we, we just respond differently, but keep loving, keep praying, and keep pouring yourself into them. God can get a hold of their hearts. Proverbs 31 says, Of the virtuous woman, her children will rise up and call her blessed. And that's the goal. Samuel was probably one of the godliest men in the Old Testament. What a testimony to his mom that he lived and served God faithfully. And uh, he didn't have to even speak about her but his life was a testimony to her faithfulness and her prayers and her obedience. So I'd encourage us. Keep keep at it. You know, uh, somebody said to me a while back, you know, Elijah's, he's still in the house, but he's 19, he's graduated, he's working, and I don't know, sometime in the next 25 years he'll move out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes in the, in the next couple few years he'll probably be, you know, moving on to the next stage of his life. Uh, then we got Caleb, who's he'll be 18 in August. He's not that far behind him. And Elizabeth, well, she'll be 16 this fall. So, you know, they're growing up. And somebody said, well, you know, you got one grown, and they were saying this about themselves. You know, they've got a couple grown, and they said, but I just I don't want to get lazy and and tired. I want to finish well. And I want to be like, well, this one's doing good and that one's doing good, home stretch, and not keep doing what they've been doing all along with the younger ones that are still, you know, sometimes that can be the thing. Well, I've done good, so I can lay off now. And then the, the younger ones end up out making a mess of their life. So I just want to say don't, don't give up. Finish well. Stay faithful. All right, that's what I have for you. It was completely different than what I had really intended, but I had notes, but they were kind of there. <laughs> but... Thank you, moms, for all you do. Thank you for your investment and your love. You know there's no love like a mother's love, and uh, it goes a long ways, and it means a lot. It's much appreciated. Let's go ahead and pray. We can fellowship before we dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful example of this mother in the book of 1 Samuel, Hannah, who, uh, Lord, desired a son she poured her heart out to you before he was ever even conceived. And she determined, she dedicated, she gave him to you before she even knew she would have him. And you answered her prayer. You answered her petition and provided a son. And she was faithful to give him back to you. And you used him mightily. You used him as a, as a priest, as a prophet, as a judge. God, you used him tremendously. He anointed David King. What a great man he was. And what a great testimony to his mother Hannah's faithfulness. And Lord, I know there are folks in our church that have kids that are still they're still raising. And I pray, Lord, uh, those of us who do, I pray you'd help us to, to remain faithful, not to get tired or weary in well-doing, but to keep pressing on with each child. And help them all to grow to love you and to live for you and to be faithful to you. Help us to raise them to seek your will, first and foremost, above all else. And Lord, those here that have grown kids, some may be living for the Lord, some may not be. You know. Lord, I pray that you'd help these moms and dads to not give up on their kids, but to continue to love them to continue to point them to you and to continue to faithfully and fervently pray for them. Lord, we know what you're capable and able to do. and We just pray that you'd work in these, these kids' lives, that you would convict them. I pray you'd draw them to yourself. I pray you'd convince them of the truth and you'd help them to come to know you as their personal Savior. And ultimately, Lord, we pray you'd help them to come to a point where they would live their lives for you. What a blessing. And what a tremendous uh, grace it is when that happens. Lord, I pray you'd work in all these situations. Lord, you know them far better than I do. and Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are good in all things. You are always good. And I just pray you'd help us to exercise great faith in trusting you with, with our children, whether they be young or grown. Help us to have great faith and to trust you, to give them over to you and to leave them in your hands. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for the blessings you've given us. We ask these things, we pray them all in Jesus' name.